listening to Her Body on Body.io FM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance with your host, Alex Navarro. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Her Body, brought to you by Body.io FM. I'm your host, Alex Navarro, soon to be Alex Golodriga. Be changing that soon. Just wanted to welcome everybody back to another episode. And today's special guest is Shanae Momoko. And Shanae and I met this past summer at a WBFF competition where we are both judges. Super fun. It's like been a long time since I got to judge a show, so it was a really fun experience and always great meeting fellow local pros in the area. So welcome, Shanae. Yeah, thank you, Alex. It was so great to, again, like meeting other people who are not only in the competition scene, but who have had similar experiences to myself in terms of their, their own like coaching experience, ha- having been coached and being a coach yourself. But yeah. having someone local that's like driving distance is really nice. I know. Really, really I was nice. like a gold mine when I found you. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we don't have you know competition friends from all over, but something about just being able to see somebody and meet them in person is really, really nice. So I'm thank you for joining me on the show. I'm excited to talk about today's topic. Yay! Thank you for having me. I'm super excited too. Of course. What I really liked about you. Obviously, again, I was excited to meet you, but when I started following you on Instagram and seeing your social presence and the things that you talked about, it really resonated with me in my own experience, both having been coached and being a coach and the style that we coach others, because I do feel like it's unique. Mm-hmm. It, it Luckily, it seems like it's getting some momentum, gaining some more popularity around that style of coaching, and I wish everybody did it like we do it. <laughs> but I know that's not possible. (laughs) And it's something that I've talked a lot about on my show before in just being like the the guide, not necessarily the leader, but like the guide for these women who want to do this really fun, awesome, transformative experience and having it be smooth, educational, like inspiring, motivating, and for them to leave the stage feeling very capable and stronger than they stepped on the stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that doesn't seem to hold true for a lot of coaches out there, which is a shame. It is. It really is. It's almost as if a lot of coaches these days see training these clients as a trophy for them rather than it being an experience for the client. I agree. Well said. Very well said. So what made you... I obviously know your story, but what <laughs> made you change your approach to coaching and, and want to sort of have it be this all-encompassing experience? Um, it came from an experience of having several bad coaches. And, um, you know, my first competition was in 2013. And I was a senior in college, you know, super naive, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And I invested in a coach, and he turned out to, um, you know, I think he had 
originally had a lot of his clients' best interests in mind, but as sometimes what can happen, I think, in the competition world is, you know, coaches get competitive. And I distinctly remember one time him telling me, there's going to be a girl at your show. You have to beat her. And it was in that moment that it really messed me up because competing no longer became about being my best self, but it was beating this girl for my coach. And um, unfortunately, that was the mental side of things. Physically, um, it was a meal plan. It was very restrictive. I developed, I never had an eating disorder. I never had disordered eating problems. And it all just manifested with that coach. So um, there was that experience. And then I still really loved competing. I mean, I, I won my first show. I got my pro card. I proved to myself that with self-belief and discipline and consistency, I could achieve, you know, what I really work hard for. And so despite that being a really negative experience, I decided to go back into competing two years later and I coached myself. And I learned everything I could about nutrition, about training, about mindset, you know, macros. And um, I was very successful. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to do better. So I invested in another coach. <laughs> and, you know, thankfully at that time I had spent, you know, four shows training myself. And I did have one very good coach kind of in between. But um, with this very last one, he was very popular and, you know, a head coach for um, the Federation WBFF. And I ended up having to um, fire him six weeks out because I wasn't happy with the amount of cardio that was being given to me and the extreme caloric deficit that he had prescribed the protocol. And I just remember looking at the plan and being so upset that this person, you know, who was so popular and who I thought had my best interest in mind, who was going to help me get to the next level would do this to me. And, you know, thankfully I was, uh, <laughs> four years older than my first show. And so I um, just knew that for my health, I couldn't do it. And so I let that coach go and I prepped myself for the remainder of the prep. And that was Worlds 2017 in London. And it was after that I decided I need to become a, um, first I transitioned to post-competition coaching and helping women um, navigate the post comp because that was what was really hard for me. Um, and then I sort of stepped into my light and I said, you know what, I, I can be a coach too. Um, if, if there's anybody who's qualified, I know it's me. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's, that was kind of the, um, evolution of why I got into coaching. Nice. Makes sense. It, I feel like some of the best teachers and coaches are those who went through the process themselves. Right. probably struggled along the way and that's oh, why God. they have another they have they have more value to bring because of those bad experiences and it's it sounds very similar unfortunately to what I experienced as well having hired mm -hmm. a very well-known coach and having high expectations of what was going to be delivered to me how I was going to be taken care of and mm -hmm. I felt that 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 was all lacking completely oh yeah and yeah. for me it was you know I kind of had that sense you know, that, that gut feeling that things weren't right. But again, I was like you, I was young and naive. And I was like, well, I hired this well-known person. I should trust mm -hmm. them in what they're mm -hmm. telling me. They have success with other clients all, all the time. You know, they've, they've created pros as well. And, right. And uh, 
what was the turning point for me was I traveled to a show in Miami and I, through a forum, found a roommate to share a room with who was another mm-hmm. girl on my team who I'd never met before in a different category, different body type, different fitness experience, and we had the identical plan. Oh my gosh. We both showed up and she was like, well, what do they have you doing? And I pulled it out and it was identical. Oh my gosh. It looked nothing alike. Completely <laughs> different. Completely different. And that's when I was like, okay, I see what's happening. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a, a lot of these coaches I feel are taking advantage of of, of, of women, because when we are going into a competition, a lot of us are trying to prove something to ourselves or to someone else. And so I find a lot of females who want to compete are actually can be in a vulnerable state. And then that's why it's kind of very easy to be taken advantage of. Yes, 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Well, and then there's the emotional, psychological side of competition, which if anybody has competed or it whether it's a competition or not, has prepared to do something that they've never done before and push themselves to an extreme, whether it was a mental challenge or a marathon. If you're not learning throughout the process, if you're not getting to know yourself on a deeper level, mm-hmm. then getting off the stage means nothing. Exactly. Yes, 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 yes. And it's unfortunate that in all of my having had other coaches in the past, no one ever provided that support. Right. Yes. Especially yeah. when I was a man. I mean, I understand that they're different. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and they're they're not going to understand like what goes through a woman's head, especially when it comes to her body and all of the emotional things that come up along the way, good, bad, criticism, all of those things, which I'm sure we could have a whole separate podcast on. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's almost as if too, um, kind of what I felt was that my coaches didn't offer the emotional support, nor did they want to, uh, nor did they have the compassion or the empathy to hold that space for me. And, you know, fortunately I have a partner who's very supportive and who was able to help me with that. But, you know, you can't depend on your partner for everything. And so mm -hmm, that's when I decided when I coach, I'm going to hold that mental and emotional space for my clients. And as a um, as an application process, clients who want to compete and, um, you know, prep with my coaching, they have to be open to it and they have to want to personally get better and work on their personal development and um, put in that work because it's not for everybody or, you know, not everyone's always ready for it. Agreed. Agreed. I have a a similar process in making sure that the headspace is right before we even start. Mm -hmm. Because it it does sound like a good idea when you say it. But when you actually see what it takes to do it and go through the process and be done with it even, that's very different. Of course. Okay, so you want to know what I tell people when they get on the phone with me? Yes. I tell them every negative thing that could happen as a result of competing. And and I'm very honest, and I say this is how I start the call. These are all the things that could potentially happen. Mm -hmm. And I need you to know this because I need you to know what you're getting into. Yeah, and they're like, whoa, I had no idea. And and I don't do that to scare people off. I do that to be honest. It's good. More people need to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I well, agree. Like, well, you just, you give her a clear picture of the potential, good, bad, yeah. all, all in between. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, it's it's not like it, it, 
in all cases, it doesn't absolutely happen. But when somebody goes into a prep with that realization of this is an extreme sport, this is the way that I'm going to look is not the way I'm going to look forever. I will have to gain weight afterwards. Some people have that self-awareness where they're like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. I, I know that if I were to get stage lean, it would destroy me afterwards on having to gain weight again. I don't think competing is for me. Great. Mm-hmm. You have to have the right headspace before even starting the process. In, in that regard, I would say if body image is already an issue and they're doing it to be a jumpstart or yeah. to be the end goal, not good reasons. Not good reasons at all. <laughs> I think I've convinced more people, more women over the years not to do it. Or we realized through the conversations that maybe this is too extreme of a goal. Like let's, I actually love photo shoot goals. Like you want to have good pictures of yourself with a hot body? Like let's just do pictures then. Let's book yes. a photo shoot and be yeah. in your own environment and have you feel like yourself, your best yeah. self and have the images afterwards. That's, going to be let far less extreme also far less financially taxing which we can talk mm-hmm. about also because i think it's yeah a fair <laughs> conversation um but having setting other kinds of goals that are a little bit more realistic and i'm like well once you have the photo shoot if then you feel like you're ready to take that next step or you still want to at that point we could look there Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I tell people like, I think competing is still a viable goal. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there's so much benefit to be had for going after it. Um, But it it comes at a price of you having to know yourself. And um, just like you said, you know, um, I've convinced so many people not to compete and, and not because they're not capable, but, but because they found through the process of coaching that they don't need to do something as extreme as standing on stage in a bikini to know that they're worthy. Exactly. Exactly. Part of the reason why I haven't competed in seven years. <laughs> yeah. But, well, I kind of proved that. And I have other things to prove to myself at this point that have nothing to do with what other people think I should look like. Oh my gosh, girl. Yes. I mean, that's exactly why I took all of last year off. Yeah, you let do. Me just do. Let me just do me and be happy walking around in the body that I have, regardless uh-huh. of if I made it to the gym today or not, or if I had a little bit more to eat or not, or if I decided to meet my girlfriends for a drink. That's okay. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and like, even though competing is a viable goal, like it is such a vortex of, you know, once you're in it, like you can completely get immersed and, and sort of obsessed. And um, there's a point where that obsession becomes unhealthy. And that's actually what I experienced and why my post-competition was so um, hard because I did three shows back to back. These shows are four months apart for anybody who's not familiar with the WBFF (laughs) Pro League. It's four months apart. So that was one year, one full year. (laughs) a lot of huge commitment. Yeah. And stress on the body and your mind. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So even though I prepped in the healthiest way possible of, you know, of um, not going too low with my calories, keeping my cardio levels low, keeping my food as high as possible, being, you know, intentional with like my health, it was such a stress on me mentally. And it really skewed my perception of myself that um, that's why I got into post-competition coaching. Because even though I went into it with the best of intentions, 
I am naturally a type A. I learned about this, learned this about myself last year. I'm type A. I'm a control freak. I'm a little bit obsessive. I'm intense. I'm all or nothing. And then so something that was such a positive goal for me be quickly became my, like my kryptonite. And so um, that's one of the things I teach a lot of my clients is um, not getting sucked into it negatively like that. Even, even though I was doing it for a positive thing, it did become obsessive and negative for myself. I feel like anything has the potential for that and a that is why having a good coach can be helpful because you need someone to check you sometimes and say hold on let's not get carried away like maybe this isn't a good idea and I wish I had had a coach that had done that for me in the past and instead they were like no you should do more yeah you should keep doing more and you should do it here and you should do this organization and I actually did seven in a year (gasps) wow talk about financially taxing um (laughs) and but again I I didn't know I was naive and I was just being you know taking the advice from a well-known person who I thought had my best interests and I'm surprised that I had any money left by the end of the year but right yeah yeah but and it's like those experiences though like it took me a while to to love the experiences that I went through, you know, for a long time, I, I was really um, angry with myself. How could you do this to yourself? You knew better. Why did you do all these shows back to back? But once I could fully accept responsibility for, hey, you know what, this is what happened. And I'm going to turn um, what I perceived as my weaknesses into a strength. Um, you know, then I started posting about post-competition help and, and, you know, mindset and how you can learn to love yourself again. So I think it's amazing that you were able to do seven shows in one year and, you know, look at the benefit that we both got from it in the long run. Exactly. Everything happens for a reason. Yes. Good experiences, bad experiences. Well, I would love to talk a little bit about the importance of finding a good coach and the process that someone should go through before making a decision on who on who's the coach for them because I think there's a lot of well misconceptions about what qualifies someone as being a good coach mm-hmm. just because you're well known mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're a good coach just and because you won your pro card <laughs> it doesn't mean you're a good coach <laughs> yeah that's a new one that that wasn't around when I was competing like when I first started at least but also there yeah. was Instagram wasn't a thing so yeah, yes, I'm dating myself now, but, um, <laughs> but I recently had a client compete at the fitness Atlantic. So fitness Atlantic city show and she, her process for finding me and sort of grilling me is just what she did, which was <laughs> great. Uh, she totally grilled me. She was asked, we emailed back and forth a million times. We had our consultation call. We went through the process and she, was, you know, borderline annoying. (laughs) I told her that. Um, But she honestly asked all the questions that I wish everybody asked before they hired a coach. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because she wanted to know my process. Why would you do this? Why would you do that? Will you have me do that? What is it like afterwards? How much support? When do we talk? When I hired my coach, I was like, oh, she's well known. I'm taking care of. End of story. Yes. Yes. And that was a huge mistake. So I know that you have a unique process, which I would love for you to share. 
Yeah. Um, so I do the same exact thing. There is an application process. First, they have to apply through my website. And then after they apply and I read over their answers, um, we schedule a call. And you would be really, really surprised at how many people will reach out to me on DM and not go through the process of filling out the application and then scheduling a call and then, you know, going on the call and talking from there. So first and foremost, that's like a gate barrier for me. If you're not going to get on a call with me and you're not going to get on video call and let me see your face, then we're not going to coach because a coaching coaching is a relationship and we need to, we need to vibe. Like you need to be able to be honest with me and I need to be able to be honest with you. And if you can't get on a call with me, then, you know, not get anywhere. So yeah. And in that application process, in that call, you know, we really, I let, I open the floor to them. They can ask me anything they want. And, um, a lot of girls don't know what to ask. And so that's why I think this podcast is going to be really, really beneficial for them. Um, I would love people to ask, you know, like, what's the training process? You know, how, when does my training program get updated? What's the nutrition like? What happens if I struggle? What happened, you know? Right. How uh, much flexibility is there? Like, is that, it a cookie cutter plan? Is it super strict? Do I have flexibility in my plan? What does that look right. like? Right. And another one girl asked me, and I was so happy she asked this. She goes, how many clients do you have? And, and I think that's really important. Um, I keep a low client load. My rates are higher because I do not take on as many clients because I believe that everybody needs to have individual support, individual programs. And, you know, when I talk to um, my clients and, and they sometimes get a little bit uneasy with, um, you know, they're talking to their friends and it looks like their friends are doing X, Y, and Z. I'm like, first of all, keep your eyes in your own lane. Second of all, that coach has a hundred people. Um, they're probably all doing the same program because it's like, why is all my friends doing an hour of cardio and I'm doing none? (laughs) Everyone's probably doing the same thing. So yeah. And so I'm really adamant about that. And, um, I talked to them about this on the call and I said, Hey, listen, you can either invest in this making and, you know, invest in your coaching and make this a, an amazing experience. Um, or you can go and pay a hundred and I'm honest, I say, yeah, you could go pay a hundred dollars a month, but you're going to be one of a hundred, right. you know, what do you want to be one of 10 or one of a hundred? So, um, that's my process there as far as application goes. And just as like a word of advice for anybody out there listening to hire a coach who, um, doesn't have the kind of has like the same body type or body shape that you have because if you're hiring a coach because she's popular and her body looks amazing but you know that her genetics are completely different than yours I think there's something to be said for hiring somebody who you know went through the process of looking the way they did through hard work not because it just came easy to me to them does that make sense absolutely or just I just want to throw in that the use of additional supplementation which is not as talked about as it should be i've talked about it on my show before but we we do need to keep that in mind and that's not often something that a potential competitor would think about i just talked about this last night on my story and i was shaking while i was talking about it but we need to discuss this so um i recently got a message from a woman and she said that you know she competed last like two years ago and she is having thyroid issues, hormonal issues that she doesn't even know how to fix because of the quote unquote supplements that her coach put her on. Mm -hmm. 
and after some probing, she shared with me that, you know, what she took. And these are not supplements. Uh, Anavar is not a supplement. Clenbuterol is not a supplement. T3 is not a supplement. Those are performance enhancing drugs. Those are steroids. Those are, you know, very detrimental to your health long term. We don't even know what it could do to us. And a lot of coaches are putting their clients on these and the clients don't even know. A lot of them are. Which is scary. It's really scary. And it's like, you know, just like how you said earlier, you think that your coach has your best interest in heart. You would do anything they say. Yep. When you trust them. Exactly. Yeah. So that's definitely a question that you should ask a potential coach that you're interviewing is, do you require your clients to be on supplements? Um, I don't know about you, Alex, but I personally do not... um, uh, I refuse to be sponsored <laughs> Agreed. because I don't want to push any brand of supplements on my clients. You know, whatever protein powder you want, drink it. I'm not going to tell you that you have to have this one because I'm sponsored by them. So exactly. um, I don't even tell my clients to do BCAAs. It's like, just eat real food. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whey protein has them in it, so you're fine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, I'm so happy you brought that up. Yes, me too. Good. Because it is a touchy subject and it's not something that's talked about, obviously. And I've been able to point out people on stage who I felt like were using things because you get to know the look of somebody Mm -hmm. who has used enhancements outside Mm -hmm. of food. And I think that's just fair. It's important for someone to think about when they're getting on stage and being compared to next to somebody like that. That exactly. there is an unfair advantage, and that's their choice to do that. And if that's something that you would want to do, I am not the person for you. Yeah, yeah, and and no judgment if that's what you want to do with your body. It's your body, but I'm not going to personally prescribe that for you, and that's not what you're going to get from me. I don't even, I do not allow my clients to use fat burners. Um, and there have are some, some coffee. Yeah, coffee's exactly. Coffee's great. Pre-workout, <laughs> fat burners. No, sorry. Um, and there are some coaches out there who will give that to you. And if that's what you want, that's what you want. But, you know, making sure that you do the investigative work beforehand to make sure you're not getting into a situation where your coach is going to push drugs on you. Agreed. Agreed. And then through that process, so if somebody has they've gone through the interview or they're, they're in the interview process, they're asking you the right questions. Other questions that come to mind that should be asked are, you know, what? What is our relationship that week before the show? What is our mm-hmm. relationship the day of the show? Mm-hmm. Are you there? Like, what kind of support do I have? And what do mm-hmm. I do afterwards? And mm-hmm. and obviously, you have even a special niche for that. That's where you sort of got things going. But that's not a question that anybody even thinks of asking. What about afterwards? Exactly. Yeah. How will you support me? What's the process? Um, what is your availability for me on show day? I mean, I've heard of coaches who just you know, ghost their clients on show day. Just crazy. <laughs> or like peak week. <laughs> the most important day and week to have yeah. support. Especially for someone who it is their first time. Emotionally, the, the feelings that are coming up in that week, the stress, the anxiety, the excitement, the uncertainty, there's so much happening that I want someone to just coast through that week because they feel so supported. Because we've already talked about all the things that should be talked about during yeah. that week. So we're just like getting excited. We're preparing. Our bag is packed. We show up and we feel comfortable and confident. Like, okay, I know what I'm doing. I'm here for the right reasons. I'm about to have a damn good time. Yeah. And then tomorrow's Sunday and we have a plan. 
regardless of what happens. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. So setting expectations, I feel like is my second job. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's like what I do as a coach is I have to set expectations constantly. Um, You know, more this year, I fortunately have many, many, many girls competing, you know, all the way in Australia and um, all these places. And they're all first time competitors. And one of the things I've been telling these girls is, you know, do not a do not compare your body to anybody else's. But your first show is is for you to have fun. And, you know, with Instagram, now that Instagram is so popular these days, I think we see these visual images of pros on stage and we expect to look like that at our first show. And I have this hypothesis that a lot of post-competition emotional eating stems directly from uh, not managing our expectations correctly. Agreed. Yeah. So it's like if maybe if you didn't place or maybe you forgot your posing routine or maybe you just didn't you show up as your best self managing that prior, like how you had mentioned, is going to make for a much smoother experience afterwards. Agreed. Very much so. Well, then you it, you get back home and you have a plan because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize is win or lose. I almost say like even winning can be a bit of a mind fuck because that's ah. I swear on the show, but um, <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. But you know, you just won the show and you feel really good and you have your, you know, your, whether it was your pro card, maybe you won your pro card at your whatever number show it is, but you have this like elated, I am on top of the world feeling. And then Monday comes and like, you go back to work and it's like a normal day and you don't know what to do with yourself. Like nobody, you know, your friends and family, obviously they're there to support you and they're excited for you. But like at the, after that, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody you don't cares. automatically get sponsors. Nothing like, changes you in your life. You don't become a fitness model, you know? It's like, yes. And you, you, you have just some spent, hardware and that's it. Yeah. I mean, you just spent months and months and months, you know, working towards this. So it's a, it's kind of like manic depressive. It's like you experience your highest high and then you can hit rock bottom at your lowest low. Um, if you don't have a plan and if you don't have a coach, coach who's going to mentally kind of prep you for that and emotionally support you through the process. Agreed. Agreed. Post-show is very important. How long is your process post-show, generally speaking? So generally speaking, um, mm-hmm. so as a reverse diet, I um, do require my clients to commit to three months. And I give them a six-week, you're going to feel weird (laughs) for six weeks like it's gonna take six weeks for you to feel normal again and um that's kind of partly why I did create um a program that I called anti-binge blueprint and um it's it's a five-week process but and I did that because I want them to understand that you don't just prep for you know however many months four to six months maybe you did a reverse diet before that you know you didn't you just spent eight months working towards the show you're not going to feel better in a week um it's gonna it's gonna take you a couple weeks and to stay mindful of that and to not beat yourself up to meet yourself with compassion and um grow through the process rather than um you know falling into a hole of depression and um overeating And again, just having that support because 
while the during the process of preparing for the stage obviously your body your body's going through a huge transformation your mind is going through a huge transformation mindset how you approach I, I mean personally I feel like everything in my life and how I approached it changed my whole attitude around things changed which probably is one of the reasons that I competed for so long is because I also got slightly addicted to the type A, like, scheduled, regimented, and if I didn't have that sort of being the underlying schedule dictator, right. I didn't know what to do, and I, I didn't know how to have that flexibility around, well, I'm either super, super strict, or I'm not. There wasn't any in-between, and I got, I just didn't know how to basically live the rest of my life without that because I had done it for so long I didn't know any other way and that transition was really hard yeah exactly yes I completely agree with you that was the hardest transition I made Um, it wasn't until I realized that I was using competing as a coping mechanism and Mm -hmm. kind of hiding behind it and so instead of just meeting myself with where I'm at and and recognizing you know what you're a little bit controlling you know what (laughs) A little bit of and working on myself with personal development and compassion and therapy. I did a lot of therapy around this. Uh, I was using competing as like a band aid for that. And um, yeah, I didn't know I was controlling. Can you believe that? Until after my <laughs> show, like three months later, I didn't know I was type A, Alex. It was like three months <laughs> after London. I was like, took a deep breath and I was like, whoa, I think I'm actually type A. <laughs> And I was like, whoa, I'm actually kind of obsessive. I'm actually kind of controlling, um, but That's competing. That's a just- funny realization. I mean, it's amazing that you got to that point, though. Like, it's so great that you had that aha moment because I think a lot of people need that. And it's not, yeah. that's not a moment that you can have, like, with somebody telling you that. You have to experience no. it. You have to be ready to see that for yourself. Yeah, it's a lot of self, it's like a lot of introspection. And, you know, that's why I kept doing show after show after show, because I felt so lost if I wasn't working towards something. My worth was directly tied into how much I was doing, um, which then indirectly became tied into my body and how I looked and always being lean, always being show ready, being very strong. And so my whole identity, a lot of competitors go through kind of an identity crisis afterwards because it's like you don't know who you are anymore because you don't know what you're working towards. Agreed. And I'm almost going through the opposite now of trying to get back in that headspace without going to the extreme because now (laughs) I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a new mom. I feel like this is my, that's my new role. That's my new title. I used to be competitor and coach and now I'm like a mom first. So trying to get back in that headspace in without giving too much up is challenging. It is. It really is, isn't it? It's almost like you have to learn how to just be yourself again. Right. <laughs> Which a I lot of people life, are uncomfortable with. So yeah, life is like unlearning all the stories that you built up about yourself that aren't true. Mm-hmm. It's true. But if you're open to that, it's such a fun, crazy process. Yeah, I almost feel like it's slightly addicting. And then you're like, what else can I learn about myself? And that's what I think competing does for many people. Um, Competing gives a lot of people that opportunity to find themselves. I mean, that's what it was for me. I was in a toxic relationship and competing and working out was actually the first thing I did for myself ever. 
like ever. I was just such a people pleaser. I drank when my friends wanted to drink. I went out when they wanted to go out. But when I became a competitor and I had a goal, I was able to find myself. <laughs> yep. I've had three clients in the past two years realize they needed to get out of their marriages through competing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 A lot of stuff comes to the surface. I feel like especially for women who, you know, either were in relationships like that or who are moms and they were just moms, you know, not just moms, but, you know, they sort of lost themselves in that title and were desperately trying to find themselves again, that in that process realized all the things that were making them unhappy. Yeah. That had nothing to do with like how they looked or the importance of having a good body. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. And so that's why like going back to it, like I think competing is a great goal. Like you just need to have the right coach. <laughs> Do your homework, ladies. Hire the right coach. Not for financial reasons. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't afford the one that you want or that one that you feel like is a good fit, because it needs to be a good fit. You mentioned that earlier, like it's a relationship and yeah. you both have to be on the same page with a lot of things and have that open conversation. And if you find the right person and you can't afford them, maybe you're not ready to do a show. Maybe you work with them to some in some other capacity yeah. for some other goal yeah. and you build yeah. on that relationship. That could be worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you know, too, that it is the right coach because if it is, I mean, we'll, I'll just be very honest. If your coach is only charging you a hundred dollars a month, like that's not going to be a customized program where, you know, you are receiving, uh, the type of emotional mental support you need. If you don't need mental and emotional support and you just want a workout program and you don't care if it's customized to you, then by all means, like, please go do those challenges that are, you know, right. 20 bucks a month. Great. <laughs> exactly. And then what I also love just from watching you and the kinds of conversations you have with your girls through your social platforms is the conversations around flexibility, mm -hmm. and their diet and their training, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because obviously it's not cookie cutter and we're trying to teach these women more about food and nutrition so that they understand and learn from their bodies and get to know their bodies on a much deeper level so that after the show, when they go through this additional process, it's just reinforcing this. Yes. 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 I use something called structured flexibility. So they have structure um, depending on the type of program they're on. I have girls who are not competing and, you know, not everybody tracks their macros. If you're not competing, you really don't have to. Um, and the girls that are competing, they do track their macros. So they have structure in the sense that they know what they should be eating as far as whole foods, you know, and all that jazz. But they have the flexibility of, you know, going out for an untracked meal if the um, timing is right. And I really do actually encourage my clients to practice untracked meals and untracked days so that they don't have the fear of, oh, I have to be perfect and it has to be like this. Um because I think that's also what perpetuates a lot of binging post-competition. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know, meal plans make you dumb, people. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I'm like, you know, true. you have to ask me what type of protein to eat. It's like, no, like I want you to learn what protein works for your body. I want you to learn, you know, what type of carbohydrates or fats 
keep you full the longest so that you are eating optimally and not falling into like hormonal hunger. I can't tell you that. Like you have to figure it out. And so one of my requirements, if someone wants to train with me, I told them on the phone, I'm like, you have to want to learn about yourself. Like this is not a meal plan. Like I'm not going to tell you what to eat every minute of every day. Some people want that. And so if that's what you want, like I'm not the coach for you. Exactly. I'm not the coach for you. And that's, it used to be hard for me to say that. And now it's just rolls off the tongue very easily and comfortably. Yeah. And I hope that by saying that people hear it a little easier. Yeah. I can't be, I can't tell you what to eat. Yeah. I can give you guidelines. Yeah. Some some rough structure and give you the tools to help you figure that out. But there needs to be enough flexibility and there needs, there's no such thing as like a hundred percent on plan. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lie, right? We think that by having a hundred percent control, we are in control, but it's in that need and desire to be so in control that we are actually the most out of control. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. I like you didn't have any disordered eating patterns until I hired a well-known coach. Yeah. My goodness. You know, <laughs> yep. I didn't think about food at all. It was just normal for me. I never you had just ate based off of what you liked and how you felt. Yeah, and that's how it normal. should be. <laughs> yeah. And then it was like, man, I remember, um, it, it was, it was a meal plan and it was like, I only ate off a list of 10 foods and oh having, my gosh, that's no food yeah, at all. uh, like the carbs were like half an ounce of carb. <laughs> I'm like, I remember like weighing out my like quinoa, my like sweet potato, and it was like a tablespoon of quinoa. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is this? But I'm so disciplined. I'm so dedicated. I was in the Young Marines uh, as a child. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that explains I mean, so much. Yeah, I have the more discipline and willpower than probably an average person. So my friend started the prep with me and she quit three days later. She was like, I can't do this. I'm not doing this. This is half an ounce of carbs. And I was like, it's written down on the paper. I'm going to do it. <laughs> And we had the same exact meal plan. (laughs) Well, you're like, well, this is what it takes to get there because other people do that and that's where they are. So that this must be the way. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I actually like funny you mentioned that because whenever I have a client starting to think in that manner of extreme black and white, I reel them back and I say, hey, look at like, yes, this is the type of mentality that you think you need to win a show but this is going to hurt you. Let's reel it back in. How can we make this more gray? How can we make this more 80-20? Like, trust me, the tiny little bit of, I don't know, cheese that you put on your um, morning breakfast is not going to make or break your show physique. But what is going to make or break you is afterwards when you, you know, the harder you push, the harder you fall. Yep, it's true. It's true. I'm just thinking back to a woman that I coached last year and she came from from the mindset of like it's going to take extremes. It is an extreme sport. Even if you do it with flexibility, it's still an extreme sport. No, we're still true. we're still putting your body in putting it in a state that most people could not walk around normally in. Nor should you Nor should that. Yeah, right, exactly. And unless you're t- like a total freak of nature, which is possible, like there are right. new people out there, and that's just what they are. <laughs> yeah, genetic. <laughs> totally, totally fine. That's a very different story. But having the conversations of, with her between, they varied between, oh, I did something wrong, oh, I ate too much, what should I do now to fix it? 
whether it's like, I won't eat anything tomorrow. Like I got these in emails. Like I'm just not gonna, I'm gonna cut things super low tomorrow or I'm gonna do an extra little bit of cardio. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not, yeah. who told you to do that? I didn't tell you to do that. Exactly. Um, yeah. We pick up where we left off. Like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The day oh my is God. over. Yes. Yes. What did you learn? And we moved on. <laughs> how can yeah? How can we move this going forward? But oh my gosh, uh, have you read that book? Um, uh, brain over binge. I haven't. No. Oh my gosh, it's all about the neuroscience of our brain and what happens after an overeating or overexercising. It's very fascinating. I like point all my clients to it. Um, but you know, when you are in prep. And if you do go a little bit over, your body is in a state of survival. Our bodies want body fat. Our bodies want to survive. And when you're doing something like a diet, you are putting yourself in a state where your body doesn't want to be there. And so that's where like good coaching comes in. So you actually can get lean, but I digress. Um, when you overeat and then overcompensate with exercise, it's sending signals to your brain that you are not safe and that... Um, you know, you're overcompensating and you're overdoing the cardio. And that's kind of what creates negative habit loops in your brain. And you can willpower and you can knuckle it through for the however many weeks you're on prep. But as soon as that goal is gone, that's when those habit loops will come back. And um, that's when a lot of women experience um, binging and overeating post-competition. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, gosh, yes. And, you know, the backstage story of people bringing all these like donuts and snacks. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, I have my... very distinct memories of that. There, there was actually, when I was with the well-known coach, she actually had like one of her other coaches, she had coaches under her who were coaches and she had one of the coaches would send out an email with these, they were called, Oh my God bars. Because it was just like bars that were made with like all the delicious things put together in this like, uh-huh. fudgy, you know, crunchy bar. <laughs> <laughs> and people would make them and then bring them to the show. And I have a very distinct memory of just like seeing them backstage, smelling them and being like in, just fixated on the smell. Like, okay, all I got to do is get off the stage and have it. I just have to yeah. do my thing on the stage and then I get it. And I like completely forgot about why I was there and being on the stage. And all I wanted was this treat. Yeah. And I had like four of them. I remember getting off stage and literally just like, didn't even take my shoes off. <laughs> right. Yeah. Still in my uncomfortable heels because all I wanted was this like, oh my God bar. Down them. I don't even remember eating them. Went out in the audience to watch my fellow competitors finish the show and I passed out. Oh my like, God. Such, I had this intense blood sugar spike and then I literally fell asleep. Oh my gosh. It just crashed. My body was like, shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I got woken up at the end of the show and they were, I was like, what happened? Oh no. <laughs> and then I just felt terrible after that and I didn't know what to do with myself. And I'm like, and now the show's over and I don't even remember going up there and I feel like crap physically because I just had yeah. more sugar than I've had in the past year in yeah. 25 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention the things that happen in your brain because of that. The really, really strong receptors that you now develop um in your primal brain like it's not even you're not even using your like prefrontal cortex which is like your logical brain you're not even using that anymore it's all primal after that makes sense i was eating that like an animal who just yeah. came out of hibernation yes exactly like, give me the chocolate 
<laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I actually make it a habit now not to take anything backstage because it kind of takes away from my whole experience of why I'm there and like what I'm there to accomplish. Agreed. Well, then you can have a normal meal afterwards. That should be normal. <laughs> that you enjoy. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I usually crave like a big steak too. It's not even anything like very exciting. I'm just like a big steak. Yeah, Yeah, steak and a baked potato sounds delicious. Like a big steak that you don't have to weigh out. That's what I. I want to eat the whole thing. Yeah, I don't care if it's 16 ounces. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel. I'm like, I just want a meal that I don't have to weigh out. Um, that's like all I desire and all I crave. Yep, (laughs) great. Not funny. (laughs) I actually like talking about that with some of the girls who are getting ready for the show like well we get, these are things that you can be excited about like there are things after the show that you you can and you should look forward to and mm-hmm. I don't want you to overthink what we do after the show but like let's think of something that sounds really good to you like this is your celebration win or lose I want you to enjoy what you have and not overthink it and be able to go to sleep feeling good yeah yeah oh same same even if there's a photo shoot the next day which I know you a actually- lot of you look better. <laughs> it's true. You look better. It's true. You do. Yeah, you do. You always look better on Sunday. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I should have had a steak Friday night before the show. <laughs> Eaten all the food. I know, but mentally it's kind of hard to do it. I know, it is. Well, you're also, I mean, for most people, you're fill up very quickly. Yeah, so yeah. It's not quite the same as it was before. Yeah, yeah. In that last week. <laughs> Well, what else about your process do you want to touch on? So we talked about finding the coach, the interview process, the flexibility that comes and should be a part of the full Mm -hmm. prep leading up, support that someone gets in all of those weeks, months leading up to the stage, the day of the show especially. I think Mm -hmm. when we met each other uh, the other day, we were talking about being stage moms and sort of why why we charge more and that we, how we may in fact like overdo it sometimes in the support that we provide (laughs) yeah like literally like hot gluing stones on like while they're wearing the bikini like (laughs) 20 minutes before they're supposed to go on stage yes yeah like um literally I'm like a mom I like cry I'm like you're gonna have so much fun you're gonna meet great people (laughs) I guess I'm like make friends backstage exactly make friends have a good time which actually just on that note I love that they're especially the WBFF they're doing the backstage photos like you can get Mm -hmm. you can buy that package also yeah and my girl that just competed in December her backstage photos I was like, you look like you had more fun backstage than you did on the stage. Yeah, I think people do because you're like so when much you guys are just partying, and she, they're great. They just yeah. she was like glowing. She's like, I had the best time. She made all of these amazing friends who she's still yeah. in contact with. Yeah, great. In fact, some of my very good friends are competitors that I met, met backstage. You just you're sharing in this very unique experience, whether you had the same coach or not. Or the process was the same or very, very different, which is possible. But Mm -hmm. you just went through this amazing thing, and you should make friends and make connections and have this thing that you can look back on. Yeah, exactly. It's like I always tell people, it's like you just 
you are you just did something that like you know a, a lot of people can't do and win lose or draw it doesn't matter if that girl's your competitor um you have this thing in common and you know with your own experience how tough it was for you to get to stage and now imagine being around like 50 other girls who did the same thing and it's like that's what connects you and brings you together yeah. So another um, kind of something unique with me is um, I got my life coaching certification last year and um, a process that I put my clients through for prep is we go through life coaching. So I have them um, actually um, also develop goals outside of their fitness. So, you know, some of these girls... Yeah, some of these girls, uh, you know, want to start their own business. Maybe they want to be their own health coach or they want to get a certification. But I just have them actually create goals that are nothing to do with fitness and to make sure that they are um, staying aligned with their values. So it's like part of the life coaching process as we develop what their core values are. We discuss what their purpose is. We um, I teach them something called the thought model. So they learn how to become aware of like the things that are going going on in their brain. And so I take them through a life coaching experience while they're in prep. And, you know, they develop morning routines, evening routines. They learn how to center themselves. They learn what type of meditation works best for them, how to recenter themselves when they get stressed out, what their triggers are. And they develop these skills and awareness that I feel like um, is going to be so necessary for them post comp but also just for like their life. And I really encourage them to, um, to set goals that are outside of fitness so that after the show, it's not like, okay, now what? <laughs> it's um, they have other things going on in their lives that they are um, striving for. Exactly. I wish more people did that. Not only whether, not only if they were just preparing to get on stage, but anybody who has a fitness related goal, mm -hmm. like have that be just one of the pieces, one of the things that can, you know, whether it's giving you structure or giving you motivation or giving you something very specific to shoot for, I think setting up other things, they, they'll all align with each other and mm -hmm. they'll support each other through that process. Exactly. Exactly. It's like just it's like being holistic wholly with your life and not compartmentalizing things. Cause I know a lot of people, um, they put everything into prep and they, you know, neglect their friends or they neglect their family. And then, um, they, they feel exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The money. I like have a whole YouTube video on this. on just how expensive these shows can get. Um, especially when you're competing as a pro, um, and to, yeah, not go broke. <laughs> And like doing things outside of fitness because you could lose yourself in it. And that's definitely what happened to me when I, I thankfully was in a financial position where I could afford to compete back to back. But in the year that that happened, I had become so engulfed with myself and everything was about me, me, me. When am I doing my posing? What, what do, are we eating for dinner that meets my macros? I mean, I'm like embarrassed to say it, but I used to like snap at my boyfriend now fiance when he would grill steak and we like didn't discuss that ahead of time oh my gosh <laughs> I was like I can't eat that you don't understand but you know everything became so much about me and I just felt so selfish that after the last show I was like I'm taking a break I don't want to I don't want to compete I, I said I'm not competing anymore <laughs> I was like I just don't want to focus on myself I want to focus on other people because it can become so consuming absolutely 
And that's where also having a good coach is going to be there to help check you in those moments. Right, exactly. Hey, 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 let's not get carried away. Like, what was the underlying goal? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are the priorities here? Exactly. And like knowing when to reprioritize too. Um, definitely. If I had a coach, I mean, I, my coach at that time, it was not somebody who was doing this for me, but if I had a coach who could have guided me and said, Hey, um, you just did two shows. Uh, you, you may want to reconsider not doing worlds, you know, like you need some time off. There is worlds next year. You know, this is not a make it or break it show for you. Um, (laughs) So definitely if um, I had a coach who could have guided me with that. But most of them want your money. So why would they tell you not to do it? They just want you to keep competing. They're like, yeah, you'll be ready. Keep going. Come on, you can do it. (laughs) Yeah, no, I've had to tell people, you know what? This is not the right timing for you. And what happens? They don't train with me. And that's fine. Like, it's not like my clients are not a number to me, you know, as as cliche as it sounds, like I'm not in this for the money. Like, of course it is my living and it is how I make a living. But at the end of the day, would I do this for free if I could? Absolutely. Agreed. Me too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. Unfortunately, we can't. And I know. It wasn't so expensive. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it's way more expensive now than it used to be. Just watch. But I, th- I mean, everything is, but still something that you definitely need to keep in mind. And that should all should also be part of the process in terms of, is this a good goal for me? Not only with where I'm at in my life, where my body's at right now, where my headspace is, but can I fan- financially afford it without breaking the bank, without, get, without getting off stage and not knowing how I'm going to pay my phone bill on Monday? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> or rent. <laughs> or, or, or more important things like rent. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes, ladies. Definitely save money. I mean, I even made like a, a budget sheet that I like have like floating around on Pinterest for people. It's like the most, my most popular pin nice. is the competition prep budget sheet. <laughs> Very smart. A lot of people don't realize how expensive it can get. Well, and especially with an organization like the WBFF, how, how, you know, it, and it's wonderful and great. And I competed with a lot of other organizations that were far less expensive to compete with, but the experience was not the same. Yeah, the experience is so much better. Yeah, and that's why I ended up with them. And I, I have a separate episodes on, on that story in and of itself, but it's something to keep in mind. Yes, yes, yes. And then same thing with coaching. It's like, you know, if you kind of pay for what you get. Exactly, exactly. Well, I feel like we've touched on all the pieces that I wanted to touch on. Is there anything that you feel like we've either skipped over quickly or that we should elaborate on your process? Uh, No, I think we did a really great job. I hope that everybody got some really good questions to ask um, a prospective coach and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for a call. Um, Say, Hey, can I get on the phone with you? Hey, can I get on a Skype call with you? Any coach who is in this for the right reasons and is doing this to help people, not just to line their pockets and give you the same plan they gave to someone yesterday will will 100% absolutely hop on a call with you. In fact, I almost feel like that should be part of their own process <laughs> that yeah. they ask the potential client to do, but yeah. that's just me. Yeah, yeah, experience. same. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, and then um, again, like we said earlier, it's a very viable goal. I love competing. I coach competitors. I coach post-competition. I would compete again when the time is right, and I'm not just in it to win it. I'm doing it to be my best self. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But with that being said, you know, just understand that it is an extreme competition and to ground yourself and to invest in your personal development and to find a a coach or even maybe influencers on Instagram who can remind you of this so that you are going into prep with the right headspace, um, you're worth it. And if you want to come out of this stronger and better, then this is absolutely necessary. Agreed. And just on that note, could you, you already mentioned your anti-binge blueprint, but I feel like it's worth mentioning again in just all that it encompasses because I have, I would say a very, very large percentage of the listeners of this show are not competitors, nor they want to be competitors, but Mm -hmm. I feel like this could still be very relevant to just the average, I don't want to call them dieters, but average people who are looking to change their body or get over or help heal any disordered eating patterns. And it's something that I talk a lot about on the show. We've had dedicated episodes to issues along those lines and what what it takes mindset-wise, psychologically speaking, to get past that and get to a healthy place where yeah. they can then be healthy because yeah. it starts in yeah. your head. Yeah, yeah. My, like, little tagline is um, I help competitors, but also just obsessive dieters learn how to eat normally again and thrive in life. And so that's what the Anti-Binge Blueprint program is about. It's a five-week course, and it outlines my five-step process for how I would individually coach a client one-on-one, but knowing that not everybody can afford one-on-one coaching, one-on-one life coaching, um, and especially if you just did compete and you just spent five grand on your show, I understand that if Not everybody can afford it. And so that's why I tried to make this option available for people. Um, But it's a five, yeah, it's a five-step process that I utilize. It's called my NICE system. And the first one is to normalize your eating behaviors. And I have different frameworks that I teach for that. The I stands for intuitive eating, learning how to actually intuitive eat again, especially when you've been program hopping or diet hopping for many, many years. And then the uh, three S's stand for self-compassion self-development, and then strength training. Um, And in those modules, um, I explain in great detail about how we can become not only our best selves, but the most resilient and and continue to strive to be our best when we can utilize self-compassion, learning how to love yourself again, you know, learning how to make yourself a priority like you, not just how you look and, and, and really learning that you are worthy of everything that you desire and your weight and your body does not reflect any of that. Um, but how you can optimize your training and your nutrition so that you do get the body you desire. Um, but first it all really starts inside. It starts with your mindset. So it's a heavy mindset course. It's not a nutrition program. It's not a training program. It really is unpacking a lot of the myths that we've believed um, anybody who's competed or just dieted their whole life, like, you know what I'm talking about, you know, like overthinking the numbers, um, making things so complicated, under eating, overeating, you know, all that stuff doesn't serve us. So um, I aim to provide women with the tools um, for sustainable nutrition, fitness and uh, mindset practices so that they can have a sustainable lifestyle. I love that. Thanks. <laughs> Everyone should have it. My life's work. Yeah. So if you are interested, um, you can go to the website. It's um, shanaymomoko.com, www. We'll put links to all of your info. 
yeah. as well as your IG and Facebook information, but just shout those out since we're already yeah. at it. So on Instagram, I am at fit underscore nay. <laughs> I'm not changing my handle yet, so we'll keep it there. But <laughs> F-I-T underscore N-A-E. People always ask me, like, how'd you come up with that? <laughs> In 2013, when I really wasn't sure what I was doing, but it stuck with me. And everybody on Instagram calls me Nay, um, which is kind of cute and funny when I meet people in person. They're like, hi, Nay. (laughs) And everyone in real life calls me Shanae. Um, So that's where you can find me there. You can find me on YouTube at Shanae Momoko. And that's where you'll find all my post-competition support how to eat normally again, how to get back on track. And I also do have a Facebook group for um, obsessive dieters and competitors um, for post-competition support. So it's in a, it's not a place where I do coaching. It's just a place where these women can come together, um, connect with each other, share each other's stories, because I find that there's a lot of power and vulnerability. And um, when you can speak your experiences it is an amazing thing of being able to heal so um that's where a lot of women who find me on social media kind of band together there and support each other it's really beautiful i love that yeah well we will put be providing all of the links to all of your things so people can find you in the show notes of the episode amazing and thank you so much for joining me on the show and talking about your experiences and what you've created to help these women. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored. You're welcome. You're so welcome. Well, there are other things that I would love to talk to you about, so we'll have to save those for another episode, just brainstorming off of what we've talked about already. So um, you guys can expect to have her back on the show at some point down the road. (laughs) Yay. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Her Body, and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Her Body on Body IOFM with your host, Alex Navarro. And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io. We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.